It's a busy week this week in the WWE with some hangover from the Superstar Shakeup, the re-debut of Bray Wyatt and the Firefly Funhouse. There is a lot going on to talk about this week in wrestling. We're going to do that on Episode 6 of the Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast presented by thesporster.com. Live on location, I am at the gym, and Brandon is probably at his desk in his office on the phone. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How you doing, Jim? Good. It's a busy week. Obviously, if we're shooting and recording this show from, well, at least for me, while I'm riding an exercise bike, it tells you there's a lot going on this week, and there's a lot going on in WWE. So I don't even know where we should start. Maybe we should kind of go with the elephant in the room, which is the Bray Wyatt segment, which seems to be what everybody's talking about right now. I wanted to know, what did you think? I absolutely love it. Like, if we were going to go about our normal segments this week, he was my superstar of the week without actually yeah. being live on television, obviously. Man, that is fantastic. And I haven't been excited about a segment like the next week in a while. I'm very excited about next week's segment with Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I'm with you. The only reason that I'm even 90 10, 90 in favor, and 10 not, because I like the old Bray Wyatt. Right. I was a very big fan of Bray, and I thought he got a raw deal in terms of how they dropped the ball with him. And all that kind of Multiple stuff, times. but I'm loving, I'm loving this new one. I was so worried seeing those vignettes and the puppets and things like that and going, oh my God, what are they going to do with him? And how <laughs> bad is this going to be? And then to see what they did. And I don't know. I mean, I, written, I wrote an article about it. I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but people aren't really noticing, I don't think, how many details and Easter eggs are hidden in those, I don't know what it is, three minutes? Yeah, it's not and very it's, long, but it feels like it's very long in a good way. Well, there's just so much content and dissect, and maybe they didn't do it on purpose, and maybe they did, but they gave you the ability to talk about it. It's like watching a movie. Adventures Endgame is coming out this weekend. Everybody's talking about that, the Easter eggs and all the things that went into the previews. That's kind of what this feels like. You know, Bray Wyatt's segment is so cool and so neat, and there's so many things in there to dissect and take apart that all you can do is talk about it. What did you think about the fact that it sounds like already there's some potential disruption from shareholders stockholders about this whole thing it's to be expected right anything fun is always going to get uh, a reaction like that anyone that's watching wwe and is actually looking for a positive influence on your kid you're not watching the right show i think people are always going to complain about things it's a shame that uh, Vince mcmahon usually listens to the uh, stockholders which i understand obviously you want to make sure that the people making you money are the reason that you are that you keep going and you do things the way you do it but it's a shame that this could have an effect on it and I hope it doesn't actually like dampen things down. Bray Wyatt's response was really good, so it makes me feel optimistic that there won't be any backlash from it. But I mean, you never know. I think it's it's a joke that there's any backlash because it was just fantastic. But we'll see. It, yeah, in a way, I get it. I mean, the idea that there's a cult leader inviting children into, you know, his home and and it's a PG product. But I think people need to separate the fact that a PG product does not necessarily mean child friendly yeah. all the time. You know, that's not exactly what they're going for here. And they do need to push the envelope every once in a while. And this is that. And I'm glad that potentially while his tweets and social media things are very generic and cryptic in their nature, and he doesn't say, hey, uh, we have a problem with the shareholders. He does refer to them 
and it sounds like it's all good. I mean, it's hard. You got to read between the lines a little bit, mm-hmm. but it looks like he's uh, he's going to go ahead with it. And I would hope so. I mean, they got I don't know what it's at now, but the YouTube video, millions of views, the yeah. most most viral thing they've done in I don't know how long. And it's it looks like they've landed on a winner here. Yeah, Bray Wyatt. I, I was actually surprised. I looked at his Twitter. He has over a million followers. He's one of the most followed superstars and like I mean wrestlers in general on the planet. Like that guy is doing well for himself. The guy has always been very impressive on social media because he's been very. Uh, he, he knows his character. And he knows what he is. And with this character, like it's he's one of the most talented people on the mic I've seen in any industry ever. And that's saying a lot considering some of the characters that we've seen in WWE. He knows what he's doing, and it really makes you think, wow, they wasted it when he was Husky Harris for a while. Eh? Like, <laughs> this guy is so good on the microphone and so good with his character. Like, yowie, wowie, uh, did you miss me? Like, the whole thing was tremendous. Yeah, and I don't think that WWE knew at the time what they had when he was Husky Harris, and he came part, he was in this part of Nexus and the background there. Yeah. When you're coming in with a dozen people, it's hard to separate yourself a little bit, and that was really a showcase for Wade Barrett and then eventually CM Punk. And all that kind of stuff. And Husky sort of fell in the background. But once they gave him a voice and a microphone, you got to really see how talented he is. And if there's anybody that can pull this off, it's going to be Bray Wyatt. What do you say to people who saw this promo and freaked out immediately and said, this is terrible? I I mean, I guess I can understand why they'd be reluctant to like it. It's different, right? And different isn't always good. But it's definitely not always bad either. And I thought that this was a nice change of pace. For people that often complain about... You know, the same thing we talk about where we want to be surprised with certain things. They also don't like being surprised. So it's weird. Like, I like being surprised, like I said. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say, oh, well, this was bad. You know, they surprised me. I think it's great. And it was done well. I can understand, again, like I said, people that don't want to be surprised like that. They don't want to see the change. But I think this has a lot of very, very good potential. Yeah, for fans that complain a lot that they're getting Becky Lynch and Charlotte again. Yeah. You know, when they want change, they see change like this, which is drastically different than anything else that WWE has done in a long time. And they start to complain immediately. So it'll be funny. But at the same time, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I'm curious just to see, you know, what we didn't catch the first time through that they have planned, whether it's more people, more puppets, you know, things like that, that were in that video and hiding and that they've got going on. Because I've heard there are a lot of people and really want to make it a go. So yeah. it'll be fun to see that. One of the other things that happened this week was that the Superstar shakeup didn't end. You know, for, yeah, the, for the fact that we got one week worth of what was supposed to be the Superstar shakeup, all of a sudden the next week they're moving guys around in pieces. Andrade goes back to SmackDown Live to be with Charlotte. Aleister Black goes there too because Lena Vega's on her way. Cesaro, uh, Samoa Joe went up on Raw. What did you think about the fact that they had a major Superstar shakeup one week and then decided, eh, We'll just throw all that away. We'll do it again. I don't understand. Like, they, they had the Andrade, Vega, and Black thing, right? That happened because they're like, wait a second. Like, we should really put them together. Also, Charlotte Flair's on SmackDown, so they wanted uh, Andrade with Charlotte. It was a whole thing as well. And then with that, Zelina goes over, so that kind of had a domino effect. How did you not see that coming? Like, you and I talked about it. I'm sure every single other person in the wrestling community was like, oh, well, that kind of sucks for Charlotte and Andrade because, you know, they're separated. How do they not see this coming to the point where they had to actually retcon it a week later? It's so simple, but it's something very... And there's a lot of writers and a lot of people that are, you know, there that are making decisions. And it doesn't just go through, you know, one person to Vince. There's a lot of decision-making that goes on. I can't believe this is overlooked. And as far as the other stuff goes, like, yeah, like, Jinder Mahal, right? Like, he went over and stuff. Uh, 
it's kind of weird, but I guess we didn't really see everybody moved over in the first place, so they could just say, oh yeah, by the way, he's here too. But if that's the case, then why would they even mention some certain like certain names that weren't moved on television? Like they had said, also this guy got moved over, or also Sergio Alexander got moved over, without actually seeing them, right? So why? Yeah, why you, you, you can tell a lot of this stuff was thrown together. There's a major movement, I guess, online and social media that WWE has quickly become the WCW in its yes. final years, where they threw everything together last minute, almost to the point where they're booking things right before the, the, the TV cameras go on. I mean, why well, read a report that four minutes prior to Raw, they were still finalizing the script. That's not a very good sign, and it makes sense if that's what's happening as to why these guys are slipping through the cracks and you have to change your mind and move things around. I just get a sense that this is you know, a result of them not being planned out as well as they would like to be. And there was an earnings call today with Vince McMahon talking about their first quarter yeah. being lower than it's ever been. He talked about the fact that a lot of the superstars were gone, as many as 15 guys. So if you have that going on and you have to change your storylines as a result, if that is to believed, then I can see how this sort of thing happens. It just doesn't speak very well for how things are planned out. And like we said last week, how they used to be the company that planned things out a year in advance. Yeah, That's surely not what's going on now. Well, it's also weird for a billion-dollar company to not be so... I mean, they've done it long enough to the point where they should understand, right? How are things planned out better in the past, and now all of a sudden you have more people working for you, and it seems like you should have a better way of... a better understanding of how things are done, and it gets worse. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, where, where is the, the disconnect there? I'm wondering if it's just more people, more staff, more talent, more TV show time that you have to fill. I mean, for WWE right now, they have three hours on Raw, two hours on SmackDown an hour of 205 Live, an hour of NXT. I mean, it Man just goes on and on. And the network stuff, yeah. When you have that much content and you have to try to fill it, it could be that, right? It just could be that simple that they got too much going on and they don't know how to manage it when guys go down and they're just changing and changing. And we hear all the time that Vince McMahon is, you know, just deciding things on the fly. So that's not really a good sign. Right. One of the things that it sounds like he's decided too is that he's not really ready to give Sasha Banks what she wants. And we've heard all sorts of rumors and speculation that she's not coming back. And if she does, maybe to SmackDown, but that she's willing to sit out the rest of her contract. Consider she just signed a long extension. That's not a good sign for her, is it? Nope. And I wonder how that's going to work because let's say it's two, three, four years. That's a long time in your prime because she's in her 20s right now to not work. You're irrelevant after a year or two, right? You're not... Sasha Banks, I think, is fantastic. I think she's very good in the ring. Uh, obviously, there's mistakes here and there, but everyone can be guilty of that. Uh, she's very talented, but she's not CM Punk to the point where he was exposed to the world in Ring of Honor and then WWE and was a cult favorite to where he's going to be relevant, or like she's going to be relevant like he is five years later, six years later. Um, I, I think it's pretty unfortunate that it comes to the point where there's obviously something going on backstage that we don't know about or that we do know about, but we don't know all the details. Uh, who's right, who's wrong? Probably a bit of right on both sides and a bit of wrong on both sides, I think is the best way to look at it. But if she has this long-term contract that she's willing to sit out the entire time, that's a no-win situation for anybody. Yeah, I, I wrote that I think she's taking a bet on herself, and I have a feeling it's not going to pay off. Mm -hmm. If you just sign a brand-new contract, a really long-term one, with probably some really good money attached to it, I'd and imagine. then you leave, leave within the first year and say you're going to sit out, I mean, she has to know that they're going to just freeze it. So if she's going to sit there and not wrestle, he's just going to hold it. Like it sounds like he's doing with Luke Harper. Right. And say, you know what? Fine, sit out. We're going to extend this as long as you do, and you won't be able to work 
for not only the length of your contract, but for how long you sit. Yeah. Right. And it's like what happened with Neville. The only downside here is by the time Sasha Banks is ready to go, if it's AEW that she goes to, they're going to be in full swing. She won't be nearly as important an acquisition at that point. Yeah, her value goes down every day she sits out. Yeah. Well, and now sorry. I, don't. I would imagine right now it's still up, but it gets to a point where it goes down. Well, she might be, and this is going to be a strange comparison, but she might be the Bret Hart of WCW, uh, WWE going to WCW. He was a very popular guy. Yeah. In WWE, when he went to WCW, he had all sorts of buzz because he was going over there with some controversy. He got there, they didn't know what to do with him, and he fizzled right out. She could be that. You know, she's a, a highly competitive person in WWE. She's popular. But if she doesn't go over there right away, anything that you could use her for and the buzz of her leaving and the controversy goes away, the more and more she's out of the picture. And AEW might have not have a use for her at that point. Yeah. I, the only thing there is I think that when Bret Hart went to WCW... They were already way past their prime of what they were. Like we said, like the decision making. You don't want to ever be compared to like end of the days WCW. I'm cautiously optimistic about AEW. I know that seems uh, like it's a little ridiculous to be so optimistic about a company that's. I mean, they haven't done anything yet, right? They've done literally nothing but sign people, and I mean, apparently they have a TV deal, but we haven't actually heard details about it yet. So, when it I mean specific details, we've heard some details uh, that are reported. But uh, in the end, I think that AEW seems to be structured better than WCW was at the end. So even as Sasha Banks gets moved there, it won't be as bad as Bret Hart where they didn't know what to do with him. Especially because you'd imagine, and this is going to sound weird because I know they have four specific people and Chris Jericho, so five, under contract who are labeled as uh, executive producers. Not Jericho by title, but I'd imagine he has a lot of pull backstage, especially with the cons. So... uh, it's not like WCW where you had certain people pulling the strings backstage, but at the same time, AEW does have certain people that are, if they want to, can pull strings backstage. So yeah. I, I don't really know what the dynamic's going to be there, but you did mention Luke Harper. And he, right now, I mean, they've extended his contract because it was frozen over. This is the newest report. Uh, he wants out. He made it public that he wants out. And they're saying, no, we're keeping you. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they use him or if they just say, you know what? That's not the way to go about telling people that you want out of this thing. So sit here. And hopefully that's not the case. And hopefully they find a use for him. He is a talented guy. He's a big guy. He's not that young. So it would be good if they got a chance to use him before it's too late. And it wouldn't surprise me if he just ends up retiring. I mean, maybe. But I think he still has a passion for it. Like, I think he still wants to wrestle. Um, As Brody Lee on the Indies, he was really fun. Like, he actually was. He's a big guy, like you said. But he did more than what most big guys do. So he, he was entertaining. He was very popular. Uh, Ring of Honor, Dragon Gate, and all that. So he, I'm curious to see what happens with him. Especially now that, like, Rowan is, is with Daniel Bryan slash, you know, wherever he's in limbo because Bryan's injured. The uh, Bludgeon Brothers are now off. I mean, they have to be done. You can't keep putting them back together. Bray Wyatt is doing his own thing. I don't know that anybody wants to see Luke Harper pop up on Firefly Funhouse. But, uh, no. No, I mean, if you're gonna do something different with Bray Wyatt, you got to do different. You know, you can't commit. bring the same, can't bring the same guys in to work with him again. You have to do something completely different. Bring in people if you want to, just don't bring in the people that you know him to be associated with. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. But uh, I mean, retirement is an option. I still think he has a drive to wrestle. I hope they do use him or eventually release him. But I guess we'll see. Well, maybe they'll put him back in NXT. You know, maybe. they're talking about the idea of some of these guys going back there. 
and I would be okay with it. I mean, they're not, they're already being paid on their contracts. He's got money coming in from his original deal. Might as well use him, put him there. He'll be a star in that program. So I could see that happening. Now, here's one of the things we talked about last week when we talked about the superstar shakeup and what might happen with some of the guys that get moved and didn't get moved. We both said that Bobby Roode needed a, a refresh, a reboot. Well, we definitely saw that this week. Do you remember when I specifically mentioned Robert Roode? Yeah. And now he's Robert Roode? Man, yeah. I was happy. I don't like the mustache. I think the mustache is not him. But, oh, I uh, I think it's going to be a, a character all among itself. <laughs> but I, uh, I love it. I mean, Robert Roode, that's... When I was watching him in TNA and he was Robert Roode, I loved that gimmick. I loved that character. I know it wasn't very long-lived, but it, it was fantastic. He deserves a run. He won, so getting the singles win is also very good for him. I know it's just one win and it could mean nothing, but give him that push. Well, I, I get the sense that it doesn't mean nothing. I think the fact that he got the win over Ricochet a guy who was extremely hot going into yeah. all of this. And that may not have been their plan over the, you know, as they wrote the show, because Ricochet probably doesn't deserve to take a loss at this point because he's still being built. But at the same time, the fact that he did get a win over him and they chose Rude over Ricochet is a sign. And the fact that they had the mustache going and on social media, they're already pushing just pictures of the mustache uh-huh. tells me that they are invested in and that they want to right or wrong when they first brought him up from NXT and for, for, for Rude fans. That's a great sign. Yeah, I hope so. Because, I mean, he's been tremendous his whole career. Uh, he's better as a heel, for sure, I think. So this, this is a good chance to finally see him not be in the, the good guy light, but also not be just an afterthought with, uh, with Chad Gable. But speaking of the Superstar Shake-Up, then, we also talked about how the Iconics are on both shows and everything. And they've lost every single match they've been in since WrestleMania, since one of the titles, cleanly. And I just can't stand it. Yeah, I don't love it either, but here's what I'm finding as I watch them more and more. And I see some of the videos on WWE.com, their exclusives, all that kind of stuff. The amount of time and effort that's going into what they're doing backstage. I don't know that it matters. I was in a little argument with somebody on social media the other day who said that this is the worst thing they could have done, giving the Iconics the tag titles. Oh, I disagree totally, I totally disagree. I think there are certain tag teams that when you give them the belts, that elevates the tag team. There are other people that don't need the belts to be elevated and be popular. Right. I think the Iconics with the belts are much, much stronger team. And I think they can use those belts to write comedy and all sorts of really cool stuff. And if you saw their last video about Peyton Royce overhydrating herself. Yeah. I mean, that was classic. That's the kind of stuff that WWE is going to really love. And the Iconics are going to be a really huge team if they continue to do that sort of thing. And if they do, I don't know that wins and losses matter because they can turn the material into whatever they want. But why make them lose clean in every tag team match against random teams for no reason and then lose two singles matches like each of them? Well, I think it was uh, Billy Kay lost to uh, Naomi on Raw and then Peyton Royce lost to Kyrie Sane on SmackDown. Why are we doing this? Why do they have to lose every single match? Even if it doesn't yeah. matter wins and losses. Why have they not won a single match and why are they being booked like jobbers? Why are you well, winning your own championship? I get, the, I get the sense that they're doing that on purpose and it sort of depends on how you look at the championships. If you're one of those people who says that you can't be a champion unless you're actually winning, then I get your argument, and I understand why people are upset about it. But if you're one of those people that says, you know what, the belts are not about winning and losing. The belts are about elevating characters and storylines and ideas, and that's what's happening with these guys, then the wins and losses don't really matter. And maybe the losses are on purpose to give them more story, more creative, more things they can wrap their, their fingers around and just run with. And I see that happening. Now, I don't 
thing they should lose all the time because then eventually they become a tag team that can never win. Right. And maybe that's where this is going. But then that's they become the tag team champions on Raw, like Curtis Hawkins. Anyway, well, I mean, that's, little, that's little the argument, side. right? Like, if you're, if you're going to give titles to the B team or you're going to give it to Hawkins and Ryder, I mean, you have to, the same rules have to apply for the women, right? Those are tag teams that really nobody thought should be title holders based on their win-loss records. Right. But they're super popular. And people love the fact that they have the belts because they're so popular. So why not the Iconics? So you have to kind of take and give, you know, a little bit with these guys. And I would say, just like Bray Wyatt, give it some time to see where this goes. And if it doesn't doesn't work out and it's a flop, then I guess you change your direction. But for now, I'm loving it. But my concern with that is all this content that you're seeing them come like with the losses and stuff is going on like WWE.com and like their Twitter page and their social media and stuff. We're not really seeing the payoff on WWE TV where they're having promos in the ring about it. Like they do have like they they talk in the ring, but you're not seeing the gold content on WWE TV. So does it really matter? Is well, like, some people some people will make the argument that there are more eyeballs on that than there are the television program. You know, sure, I know but I, I don't know that it should be separated so much that you don't see it on on the actual product probably time you know just a matter of how much can you fit in on any they're already cramming those shows full so if you want to give them the creative freedom to do a two-minute segment on video you can't really do it on television where you have to fit everybody in and worry about commercials and sponsors on wwe.com they can do whatever they want right i'm sure that that's part of it what did you think about alistair black he moved over to smackdown had some sort of a cryptic little promo there kind of reminded me of jake roberts promos where he talks real quiet what do you think of that one yeah, Alistair Black's always been like a dark character, and now we're finally getting to see character work from him. Because when he went on WWE, like we, so when he went to the main roster in WWE, he was just a, a tag team wrestler, and all the main roster fans, because most of the people that watch WWE, like the actual product, they're not watching NXT every week, right? They're not seeing the character development. They're not seeing what these guys did before. I don't know how many, like how much the crossover actually is there, uh, but as far as that goes, all we knew about him as fans that didn't watch NXT was, okay, well, this guy is, you know, he's a dark guy and he kicks and whatever the announcers would have told us. But now, you know, I'm sure you've seen him in NXT and I've seen him in NXT and anyone that got to see him as a champion and leading up to that run and everything, we know what he's able to do on the mic and we know that he's very capable as a character. He's getting to stretch those his legs a little bit with like those, uh, those promos, or at least the one promo we saw already. And like you said, yeah, it was very dark and it, it was very reminiscent of like the Jake Roberts where it was kind of sinister almost right yeah it'll be interesting i'm not sure where they're going with it if they're going to take away from the character that we learned about in nxt or if they're going in a new direction i'm not sure exactly what to make of it yet but like rude like bray wyatt like all these other things you sort of have to give it time and see where it goes yeah was there anybody that you thought was forgotten about anybody that they sort of ignored over the last two weeks that you're like oh man where those guys go uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. There probably there definitely is at least one or two. I'm sure. I just can't think of anyone right now. Drew McIntyre, I thought got the real short end of the stick on Raw. I know that they're obviously trying to push Baron Corbin a bit, and they probably didn't want to have Miz or McIntyre lose to AJ Styles clean. So they ended up making Corbin the guy that faced AJ Styles, then eventually become the number one contender. But it was very weird to me then that like, how do you explain McIntyre not winning that match or Miz not winning that match and Baron Corbin actually winning it? I know, for like we, I said, they probably have the reasons to why it was done, but it seems very unlikely that Corbin would beat them in any situation. So I thought that yeah. he got sort of the stick there, McIntyre. Sure, I get the sense that this is a chosen guy by Vince and some of the writers is the guy that has the most heel heat 
people hate him. They like to see him lose. And it's a whole lot easier to get AJ Styles. He's already over. But when he beats Baron Corbin, it's pretty exciting for fans, right? And that could be just that simple. AJ Styles is one of those guys, like the exact opposite of what you said, where like a team needs a championship sometimes. AJ Styles, and I mentioned it before, he's the kind of guy that doesn't need a championship to be as over as he is. The Miz also kind of feels that way now, don't you think? If Miz loses 30 matches in a row, would you even bat an eye? No, he's so good. Exactly. Uh, turning, turning whatever he's given into something that people can enjoy and he can work with, that it really doesn't matter. I mean, I like him with the title because I think... Like he, he says, he makes it more relevant. I agree. And it's fun to watch him and cheat his way. But if he's going to be a babyface, I have no desire to see him with a belt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the babyface, he's not bad with it, but he's such a good heel. Maybe one of the best heels in the history of the company. Because he doesn't have to do, like... It's not like one of those character things where he would stick a fork in your forehead or he'd like, make a, a snake bite you, right? But he's just so good with his words and with his... Th- like, it reminds me almost of Edge, where... He was just very conniving at all times, and you never know what you're going to get with him, and you can't trust him. You can't turn your back on him, and I, I think he's just a tremendous heel. Yeah. One of the people that I thought was really impressive this week was Bailey. Did you happen to see her promo with Charlotte Flair? Yeah, Bailey, I mean, she's really taken this uh, Sasha Banks thing with a grain of salt and moving forward and saying, hey, yeah, that's funny. It's funny I'm talented. To watch, hey? <laughs> it's like she's sort of was wrapped into it at first. You know, the whole big buzz was that, both she and she and Sasha Banks were on the floor, mm-hmm. making a ruckus and causing a stir. Well, one has left and hasn't showed up since. The other one's been on every episode of programming since WrestleMania 35, and she seems very, very much like she's gung ho, company pro, doing what you ask me to do, taking the ball, trying to run with it. She only had a couple seconds in that promo with Charlotte Flair, but she did a fantastic job. Yeah, she's very talented, and again, anyone that watched her on NXT knows that she can carry a division. Um, her character obviously held her back a bit, and I think that's why they're kind of going away from it. Like when I was there uh, at the shakeup, and I don't, I don't think she's had it for a while now. But those uh, inflatable tube men, they're gone, and the hugging, the time for hugging is done. She said and whatnot. So she might be like moving away from the part of her character that people didn't like or that people thought was just boring and repetitive. And how can you look at someone and think, oh, they're a legitimate champion if they're going to give you hugs? Bray Wyatt, it seems like a very cuddly character right now, but he's not because he's a chainsaw and he's still Bray Wyatt and he still seems very evil and sinister, right? So you, you can misconstrue it. Bailey's character was just straight up, I'm going to give you a hug. My finisher is pretty much a glorified hug that I slam you with, Right. So having her recreate her character a little bit, she's still the same Bailey, but she's changed it to a bit, uh, a bit to the point where she's no longer happy and like everything is great. And I think that's the part that uh, that people are gonna like about. Her. And like you said, well, give her time on the mic and she can do well. Yeah, and I think the the women in the ring with her are excited for the opportunity that she may or may not be getting. Hopefully, she is getting. But you know, if you watch Becky Lynch's reactions and you watch Charlotte's reactions during the promo, they seem while well, they're playing their parts. Like they're kind of legitimately excited that she's in that angle. So yeah, she really deserves cool. it. They all, I mean, they all like each other, right? Her, like those three and Sasha, they came into this together. They're not, uh, you know, they they went up through NXT together. That four horsewoman thing isn't just an act. They're very good friends. So well, and it'll be interesting to see how quickly Sasha's outed from that group. Like I think, I think they'll be very close to her, and they're in a way rooting for her. But at the same time, they understand business is business, and there are certain things you can and cannot do. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how quickly Sasha feels like she's not part of that foursome anymore, and whether or not that has any, you know, uh, pressure or what have you on coming back to WWE. 
Do you think Becky Lynch is being overexposed? That's one of the things that I've been watching. She's got the two belts. She's on every show. She's in a lot more signals than anybody else. Is it too much too soon? So WWE has had no issue in the past of only using uh, titles when they want to. Like, we've had full pay-per-views without, like, a U.S. title match before, right? And without a tag team title match, without a women's title match. Now, all of a sudden, when she has both belts, they're saying, yeah, she's going to defend both in the same night. I think that's fine for the first pay-per-view. It's kind of a thing to say, like, hey, she can do both. I will say this. I'm not as excited when she comes to the ring anymore. Yeah. So and that, that's a bad thing because she – I still am excited. Don't get me wrong. I think she's still tremendous. But I also don't know how you can keep using her like this and keep her like with the appeal. No one is saying that Star Wars or that you know the, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, are boring. But people are getting burned out on them a little bit because they they watch so much content constantly coming out at them that eventually it's just like, all right, well, I need a break sometimes. And that's not to say it's bad. It's just to say that, hey, the sometimes you know the absence is nice and it's needed because it makes you want it more. Absence makes the heart uh, grow fonder, right? Right. So it, I, I don't know. I think she's tremendous. I think that Lacey Evans needs this push, but I think that she's still very green in the ring. So I can't see her winning it yet. Charlotte's probably not going to win it. So I can see Becky winning and retaining the belt both uh, in both matches. And then moving forward, maybe she drops like the Raw title to Lacey Evans, and then SmackDown, she just defends it. But at the same time, that doesn't make sense to me, because you would imagine that they want her to be on Raw instead of SmackDown. So if she drops the Raw title but keeps the SmackDown title, then she's exclusively on SmackDown. But if she doesn't drop the Raw title, then Lacey Evans doesn't win the title, and then they end up not pushing who they want to push. So I'm confused as to how they're going to go about that, but that's good, because I'd rather not know, like I say, all the time. Well, one of the things that I noticed about Becky Lynch, and I might be wrong, but I think she's far more popular on social media than she is on WWE television. I think the fans yes. love her, and they like to follow her outside of what's on TV, but she is not in the ring with her promos. She's not bad. She's good, but she's not like stone-cold entertaining. So if you're going to put her on this much television, she needs to be saying something worthy and really fun and entertaining, and she's not happening. So if she's coming out to the ring and she's just delivering the same old, same old week after week, I have a feeling that this is going to go downhill in the fast. So WWE needs to really be cautious of that. Too much Becky Lynch is just too much Becky Lynch. And have her go hard on social media. Have her ragging on people on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere you want to. People will love it. But that doesn't mean that you have to put her on TV 20 to 30 minutes a night, both Monday and Tuesday. And I think they're going to run the risk of doing it too much. If they do, they could ruin a really good thing. Yeah, I, I like her in her in-ring work, and I like her promo work even better, I think. I think on the mic, she's tremendous, but at the same time, like you said, 20 to 30 minutes a night, even 10 to 15 minutes a night, getting, getting a, a promo every single night, every single week, it, it's too much. And, and we've seen that with many people, and, and really just the product in general. Three hours of Monday Night Raw, 75 superstars on each show, you know, give or take, there's a lot. It, it's too much when you have the same person over and over and over and over again. It's kind of the opposite of the Iconics, right? It's weird. Yeah. No, I thought this was a much better week in terms of the production and the show, how entertaining it was versus last week. I got to see a lot more of what they tried to do last week sort of unfold this week. I think there were still a lot of things that they could have done better. But at the same time, I thought it was a much more fluent show, even though it sounds like they just threw it together last minute. And that opening segment on Raw 
literally wrote itself, or they wrote it, seconds before those guys came out. And you could sort of tell. But at the same time, I thought it was a much better show than the Superstar Shakeups. Did you agree? Yeah, I mean, being there live changed my perception of it. But I think watching both on television after the fact, I can agree that these two were better. Especially, I mean, just the Firefly Funhouse alone, that made my, my entire week for wrestling content. Like, that that thing was the... Again, this wasn't thrown together on the spot, right? They've planned this for a while. This was, I guarantee you, filmed a while ago. Uh, Bray Wyatt is in tremendous shape right now. That has some prep going to it. When you prepare your things and you actually script it out, it's much better than when you just throw it together the last second and no one knows what's going on. But having said that, the rest of the show was still better. And I think that's because they kind of retconned what happened a week ago. The big win for me on Tuesday was the Kevin Owens turn. What did you think? Was it too soon? I love the fact that Kevin Owens is a heel. I much prefer him. I like the idea that he was an honorary member, honorary member of New Day. But at the same time, I think he's a much better heel. And he makes her a really good opponent for Kofi Kingston. Did you like it? I think that it was great. I think they did it a little later than I thought, but also a little earlier, if that makes sense. Because I thought that, you know, weeks ago he would turn heel right away, but he stayed face. And then when he joined the New Day, I was like, okay, he's going to turn on them in Montreal. But then I guess they wanted to keep the, the reaction great in Montreal for him, which I think I respect. You don't want to make both hometown guys uh, heel the same night. And then I, I think they did it at the right time in, in terms of you need a top heel. There's no top heel on SmackDown Live right now. And Kevin Owens is, I mean, we've seen just the humor he, he has. Whether he's a face or a heel, the guy in ring, the guy on the mic, the guy behind the scenes, by all accounts, is just one of the best in the business. And I can't see a better time to make him a heel than right now when you need someone to compete with Kobe Kingston. Especially, yeah. and I mentioned, I wrote about this as well, I think this is the perfect time to do it because Roman Reigns, he's their big-time player. He's going to be in that picture very soon. He can't take the title from Kofi. But if you want to make a heel look really good and really get the heel heat, you make him take the title from Kofi, and then Roman takes it from him. And then everyone wins. Except for yeah. Kofi not having the title. We certainly talked about it last week, about timing and how do you pieces fall together. And, and it looks like, if this is where they're going, Kofi versus Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns versus Elias. Roman moves on. Maybe Kevin Owens moves on, even though I think that might be too soon to take the title off of Kofi. Oh, I don't think it should happen right away. I think it should happen at like the next pay-per-view, so not uh, Money in the Bank. Well, here's my only question. How long do you drag out the Elias and Roman Reigns feud? That doesn't feel to me like something that you could have last a couple of months. That's my only concern. You don't want to make that last longer than it has to. So maybe you have Roman Reigns kind of like floating around i don't know you don't really want to have too many short feuds where it's one month i like the feuds that are built up for a few months but elias versus roman reigns doesn't really make sense especially if you keep you keep trying to build roman you're not gonna let elias go to win right so then yeah. you don't want to bury elias either because they're very high on elias yeah and you can't put lars with roman reigns at least not yet because the whole idea of lars is you're building him up building him up he can't take a win he's got to destroy everybody so you can't yeah. put him against roman for a long time yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Well, what are we missing? That's Raw SmackDown. Money in the Bank looks like it's going to be a decent pay-per-view. There's a lot of good matches that I'm actually kind of excited to see. Although, they've been building it up and there's been no conversations about, about anybody actual actually in the, in the Money in the Bank matches. <laughs> well, because Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey are both going to be in it to win them both, obviously. <laughs> oh my gosh. Talk about riots. Well, I was, curious, I was interested in the Ronda Rousey news this week. That she may not be back. You yeah, know, she, she posted a video that obviously we knew that she was taking some time off because of her broken knuckle. 
and she's right. going to start a family. But she said flat out, she might not come back, even though she has a lot of time left on her contract. She might look at this baby and say, I'm done. I'm not doing anything else. I'm just going to be a mom. And if that's the case, do you think WWE is happy with what they gave her or what she gave them for that short time or they want her back really badly? So both. I mean, I'm sure they're very, very happy with what they've got from her. But I think because of that, they're going to want more from her. Anytime you have someone as big as Ronda Rousey, who's legitimately a superstar in the real world, right? She's a main event star. She's uh, mainstream. She's as big as it gets globally. I don't know who doesn't know Ronda Rousey's name. So you want to have that in WWE television. It's the same reason why they pushed Brock Lesnar for so many years, constantly, despite him not showing up. Just having him in your company means that your name is mentioned whenever he's mentioned. At the same time, I think she has to be happy with what she did. She had a year. She looked really good, better than anyone really expected her to be in the ring. On the mic, she got better. I don't think she was great on the mic, but she was better than she was when she started, that's for sure. Uh, she got her babyface run where she got the crowd's reaction. She got a heel run where I think she did much better. And now, I mean, I guess we're going to see what, what the future uh, takes for her. But yeah, she pretty much said, like, her future in WWE, like, it's up in the air and it's it might not actually, it actually might be the end for it. So that, that shocked everybody, I think. I think everybody knew she was going to take time off, but no one could have expected her to say, hey, I'm done for good, especially considering there was reports about her maybe signing another, like, an extension uh, once she has her, like, family and, like, the healing and everything sorted out. So, well, I, I, I don't know if done. You know, like, she talked about in the video that she had let them know that her plan was only to, to wrestle till November and that because of the fact that they could main event at WrestleMania, she stuck around. She right. must have had that conversation with them and said, you know, I'm only going to do short-term, and then I'm going to do a family. And they must have known. So they can't be too upset that she's now doing what she said she was going to do, which is taking time off. So maybe they looked at it and said, well, we'll get She's a huge marketing attraction. Yeah. Let's see what we can get. We'll stretch it as long as we can. And when she goes, she goes. And maybe they're just ready to say, you know what? Thank you for your time. We appreciate what you did. If you come back, you come back. If you don't, we'll move on. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of dialogue between the two parties regardless. I'm sure it wasn't just up in the air like, hey, I'm leaving. And they're like, wait, what? So I, I'm positive with it. When you're talking about that big of a star with that much money that was invested, with that much time and, and promoting and marketing, there's no way that it was a spur of the moment, hey, I'm done. So behind yeah. the scenes, it, I guarantee you there's a lot more that happens. Well, it doesn't speak very highly for the likelihood that Becky Lynch will be taking on Ronda Rousey in a singles match next year at WrestleMania. The I mean, it could be a one-off. <laughs> I don't know. That would work the timing if she does, in fact, get pregnant. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's fair. Yeah. So <laughs> That's she'll very have to fair. get in really good shape within weeks of having a baby. So it'll be interesting. Well, I think we're probably pretty good. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with Brina next week, if they do another segment, if there's any you know, kickback from shareholders, and if they change anything based on that. I'll be really it doesn't sound like they're, if they do. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to tell from his tweets if there's a problem or if there's not a problem. He's just playing it up, but yeah. it'll be interesting to see where it goes. That's probably the thing I'm looking most forward to next week. And then I guess we've got money in the bank that's not too far on the corner, middle of May. So We did talk about it at all, but like Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles, that's match of the year potential. So I'm very excited for that. Yeah, there are some very good quality matches on this card without even considering the fact that there's going to be two ladder matches involved. So yeah, <laughs> it should be a good pay-per-view. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you doing that. Again, for people who want to listen to us, where can they find us? Anchor.fm, iTunes Podcast, 
uh, anywhere that you can kind of find your podcast platforms at this point. Spotify, sort Google of on there. Play, uh, everywhere, 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 everywhere. Yeah, well, this has been another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com. Brandon, thank you. I will chat with you again this week. Take care, Jim. Well, that's another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast. Thank you very much for joining us again. What's a reminder? Uh, you can catch us on anchor.fm. You can get us on iTunes podcast, Google podcast, Podbean. I mean, anywhere that you can find your favorite podcast, we are going to be there. We do come to you every week, uh, presented by thesportster.com, so head on over there and check things out. You can follow us on Twitter at WrestleWriteUps, on Facebook at WrestlingWriteUps. We are working our way up to being found a whole lot easier than we ever were when this thing started, and we are only on episode six. So feel free to uh, subscribe, download, comment, give us all the feedback that you can. Please share it, because it is something that we are working on, and uh, hopefully we can build that audience for this thing. Uh, Again, thank you for listening. I apologize for the way that I sounded during the podcast. This week I was uh, training for marathon and riding a bike the entire time, uh, so I sounded like I was out of breath a lot. Uh, So I apologize in advance. Hopefully it came through okay, though. So until next week, this has been another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com.